chalices of water, tear. You could have lived, maybe forever. Ferns and dust test you years. But better to not know which one baby you lost. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies. Today we are talking about Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. Joined by Rob, unfortunately Harrison from the Basement Binge, wasn't able to join us. But Rob, whew, it's going to be tough, but welcome. <laughs> um, yeah, um, buckle up. Uh, this is going to be this is going to be a tough one to get through, but somehow uh, we'll do it together. <laughs> yes, yes, we will. I I don't know if this could ever be a solo episode because I would just be banging my head off the wall trying to talk about this individually. But nonetheless, I'm we're here, I'm we're here to a do little it. mad at Harrison right now that he's that he's not here with us to have to suffer yeah. <laughs> through talking about this. Um, so Harrison, I know you're listening right now. Loki, little mad at you, bro. Yeah, um, how dare you do this to us, but um, <laughs> Harrison will be back for Dead Men Tell no, Tell no Tales when we cap off the Pirates series, but Rob, you know, keeping up with what we've been doing with these Pirates movies, uh, I would like to take a second and give you a moment to talk about your contributions to the podcast, not only on these episodes, but also the extended podcast universe. Cause a really cool tidbit of information we talked about fight club, an episode that, you know, I know means a lot to you. The movie means a lot to you. Uh, the, the number one downloaded episode that Matt goes to the movies has in the month of September, which was really cool considering it didn't come out in September. So people are finding that episode and really enjoying it. So I'd like you to take a second, you know, reintroduce yourself and, and talk a little bit about that project that you work on. Yeah. So, um, you know, Matt is nice enough to let me borrow his channel temporarily uh, about once a month um, for me and my brother, Eric, my younger brother, to talk about uh, some movies that have meant a lot of, to us over a long period of time. We usually kind of get together towards the end of the month. Uh, we've both been really, really busy lately. So uh, we've already got the fourth uh, entry in the extended podcast universe, as we call it, uh, planned. We already know what we're going to do. We've got some, some great ideas for what we want to do. And it's something we're both incredibly excited to talk about, but um, between life and uh, keeping up with the, the pirates franchise, um, you know, just, the, just finding the time to do it and do it right. Because these are, these are movies that have meant a ton to us over the years. We've had the chance to talk about fight club, which you just mentioned. Uh, we did Goodfellas, and we covered um, the big Lebowski, which are definitely three films that uh, are right up there and my favorites of all time. And um, to, to do it right, we want to make sure we're, we're covering, you know, we're giving the time for it. So uh, yeah, we're definitely going to record the next, uh, the fourth entry um, within the next two weeks, I would say, I am pretty confident that we'll, we'll be ready to go and uh, kind of have a new segment idea that I think is going to be a lot of fun. And I'm looking forward to hearing what listeners think of it. And I'm, uh, Matt and you know, Harrison's listening too. I'm really excited to hear what you guys think of it. Cause I think it's going to be a lot of fun, but uh, Eric and I have a blast doing it. And um, you know, we, we certainly appreciate everybody who's downloaded the show, everybody who downloads this show, um, whatever you're doing right now that you're choosing to listen to our words. Um, you know, there's a lot of options out there and, and we're glad that you picked this and, 
Uh, if you're if you're driving to work, dri- you know, driving to class, if you are mowing the lawn, snow blowing, you know, depending on where you are in the world, uh, there's international listeners to Matt Goes to the Movie. So I want to say a special shout out to you. Thank you. Um, you know, it, we certainly appreciate the fact that you chose this to download and listen to. And uh, we hope you'll subscribe and we hope you'll leave a review on Podchaser and uh, come back for more. Yeah, well said. Uh, every single download is super appreciated. We talked about it on the last Pirates episode. It's it's crazy to think that, you know, there's people out there that want to listen to this and, you know, continue to come back. It's really cool. It's really appreciated. Uh, it's developed uh, a really, really good friendship between myself, Rob, and Harrison based on a podcast alone. Uh, It's definitely spurred some good conversations on social media for certain movies that we've reviewed. So again, just thanks to all the listeners before we really, you know, dig into this. So now, now comes the tough part, Rob. Um, (laughs) Time to dig into this. (laughs) Exactly. On Stranger Tides, which for whatever reason is called on Stranger Tides, why it wasn't called the Fountain of Youth. I still have, have no clue, but before we get into the teaser trailer, Rob, walk me through here. We've rated these movies here. I know they changed last episode. I am almost 100% positive. I think I would bet my paycheck on it. Nothing <laughs> has changed after we watched this movie. Did it for you. Uh, go through your rankings for me. Yeah, so... Um, af- uh- after um, At World's End, uh, I actually updated my rankings. I moved the third Pirates film at World's End up a little bit. I, I forgot how much I really enjoyed that movie. So uh, I start with uh, Curse of the Black Pearl, the first film. Uh, at World's End, the third film. Uh, Dead Men Tell No Tales, the fifth film. Um, Dead Man's Chest, the second film. And then I finish up with On Stranger Tides, the fourth one. I actually, my original ranking when we started this, I had, I had flipped the third and fifth films. Uh, I had the fifth film as my second favorite. And then after my recent rewatch, I was really able to appreciate the the third film a lot more. Um, uh, Yeah, no, this hasn't changed at all. The fourth film is still well, well, well at the bottom. Um, I, uh, I'd previously only ever seen this movie once before, and that was probably the exact number of times that I have needed to see this movie. Um, I actually remembered more about this movie from playing the Pirates of the Caribbean Lego game for my Xbox with my kids than I did about having actually seen the movie. So uh, if that tells you anything about (laughs) how this is going to go for the rest of this episode. Yeah, uh, you know, definitely for me too, nothing had changed, you know, based on our last viewing of At World's End, my rankings certainly changed from the beginning. When we first started this, I had Curse of the Black Pearl number one, Dead Man, uh, Dead Man's Chest at number two, Dead Men Tell No Tales at number three, At World's End at number four, and this movie ranked at number five. Uh, I do now, after rewatching these movies, uh, last episode I had switched Dead Man's Chest to number one, which is definitely different than you know both you and Harrison. Uh, you have that, like you said, at number four, and Harrison has it at three. Well, I put that as my number one. I had Curse of the Black Pearl at number two, at World's End at number three, uh, Dead Men Tell No Tales at number four, and then all the way at the back on Stranger Tides. So nothing has changed in that regard. If I could rank it lower, I would. But 
there's only five movies, so I can only rank it fifth out of you know five out of five. So there's already rumored to be a sixth film, and there's rumors that John Cena is involved in a spinoff. There's rumors that um, I, there's all kinds of rumors about people that are attached to this project. I'm going to go ahead and say that whatever that sixth film is, it's not even got a script yet. I already like it better than this movie. Yeah, I I really can't imagine anything being worse than this one it's it's very bad um but rob you had some really good points when we were talking before actually recording this episode so i i want to get into that with you know we'll do the teaser trailer section here we're going to stay in the spirit of matt goes to the movies go ahead and give a spoiler free portion just a, a snippet of how you feel about this movie before we just what seems like tear it apart <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so to try to talk about this spoiler-free, uh, this one's a little bit easier, I think, than some of the other ones. Um, quite simply, it starts off. So, so I guess what I, I should probably tell the story of of my most recent rewatch. Um, the first time I'd see, I I came into this with an open mind. I kind of want to just set the record straight that I, I definitely came into this with an open mind. I'd seen this movie definitely one other time before this, no more than two other times before this. And I don't remember anything good about it. Uh, like I said, the, my, my best memories of this movie are from playing the Lego game with my kids, which is actually a lot of fun. If you've never checked out any of the Lego games, uh, the Pirates one is actually a lot of fun, too. I think Harrison said he played it, too. Uh, it's a good time. So definitely check it out, especially if you like these movies. Um, so I didn't really remember a lot about it. I kind of think I was really tired when I watched it. So I kind of remember that. So I was like, let me... Let me watch this with fresh eyes because, uh, Matt, you and I have talked about this before. There's been many times that for this show, I've rewatched things and came away with a different opinion. I definitely feel that way about the second Matrix movie. I came away feeling a lot better about that movie than what I had previously held, uh, you know, just as far as how I ranked that in my mind. Um, so I came in with an open mind. I watched probably about the first 45 minutes to an hour of this movie um, on my first kind of sit down and, and was really tired, went to bed. And for the first 45 minutes, it, it kind of feels like a Pirates movie. It feels like it's got all the right pieces in place. You know, you, you've got this, this mystical object, the Fountain of Youth. You've got, you know, something for them to search for. It's the Pirates music. You've got Jack being Jack in the opening scene. Um, you've got, you know, some of the fun. You've just got some of the stuff where he just escapes from these crazy situations for no other reason than he's Captain Jack Sparrow. And, and you get that opening. And then this movie hits a point where it just completely falls apart and it, the tone changes, the tone shifts. And there's not a lot of things you can really say about this movie that actually really work. It, it's hard to, it's hard to imagine that if they would have started with this movie, there would have ever been a sequel. The fifth one only exists because of the first one and the second and the third were fun as well they would have never greenlit a sequel if this is how this franchise would have started. Um, it, you introduce new characters. I, it seemed like maybe there was some, some contract things they were trying to get away maybe from the story of Elizabeth and will. Uh, so they're not in this at all. You have just Jack, but it doesn't, there's so much that doesn't work. It's, it's going to be hard for us to talk about the segment when we talk about the things that do work. Um, it's going to be hard to come up with some things, honestly, but if you've never seen it, um, 
you know, give it a watch just so you can say you've seen the whole thing. I don't actually know there's really anything in this one you need to have seen to enjoy the movie that comes after it. I'm not, I'm not positive that there's anything really you had to have seen. Um, I think most of what happens in the fifth one, the refers to this one, you can kind of just put the pieces together. Um, but just for the simple fact of saying you saw it, yeah, go ahead and watch it once. And then that's, that's the maximum number of times a person needs to see this movie. Yeah, I have seen this movie three times, and that's three times really too many. Um, but in all seriousness with the Pirates movies, I mean, go ahead. You know, you see this once, but this movie, again, I, everything from even for me, the title, like I stated, on Stranger Tides, you know, at World's End, they talk about the Fountain of Youth at the very end. This whole movie is you know, dictated by getting to the fountain of youth and it's called on stranger tides. So you have this weird title for the movie, even though everything about it talks about the fountain of youth, you have a couple who seems like almost a slap into the, a slap in the face to previous people who were in these movies, because I do remember hearing there was some, you know, contract tensions and things like that. So you know, it feels like there's some forced things in here is almost, uh, well, we don't need you. That completely backfires. And you have a second act, at, you know, second, third act that just completely falls off the rails and never even resembles anything of a coherent movie. There's really, really bad establishing shots. There's really bad transition scenes where it doesn't even feel like they are in the same area uh, as they just previously were. And I can't go any further without spoiling it. So that's going to be my, my teaser trailer portion uh, of this because, yeah, I, I can't say anything more without just talking about exact details. Yeah, because we're going to have to get real specific real quick on on the things that don't work. Yeah, so Rob, I'll I'll let you start. We're we're going from seat to screen here, and what works in this movie, what doesn't. It's going to be a lot of what doesn't, but you have a little bit more fondness towards the first forty five minutes of this movie than I do. It's not, you know, I don't think it's good by any means, but it definitely is at least not completely to me unwatchable. But I'd like you to start first and tell me what you feel works about, you know, this first half of the movie, anything specific. So for me, I think it's really the opening. Um, you think about all of these films and there's always something, there's always some kind of zany situation that Jack has found himself in that he needs to escape. And he entered, you know, at the beginning of the film, we see him as the judge. Somehow he's worked his way in to be the judge of this scene. And it's just absolutely nutty. And it's, it's funny. And, and then he gets captured and he's trying to like get himself into where the food is. And he's like sliding his chair forward and it's, and the music is going, it's got that wonderful score. And it's the, it's the pirates fun that we know of. And, and to me, the opening, you know, he's escaping from, from the guards, the King, by the way, absolutely is super annoying. Whatever, 
I don't know who made the choices about how this actor was going to portray this character. If it was the actor, or the director, they came up with this together, but I could not wait for him to get off screen because he just annoyed the crap out of me. Every, every line he uttered, I hated. Um, but outside of that, there, there is this, you know, the sense of adventure as it starts. Okay, there's the Fountain of Youth. Great, they're going to go search for the Fountain of Youth. That seems like the ideal kind of thing for a Pirates of the Caribbean movie to do. And you get Jack doing Jack things, and then it kind of starts to fall apart. Um, you know, they, you get the scene where he meets the imposter. Uh, of the person who's pretending to be Jack Sparrow, which by the time you get past the scene, like it doesn't really make sense why that person had to be an imposter. Like, I'm not sure like that it had to be Jack. Like you could have been, you could have pretended to be anybody or not even had to pretend to be anybody because she's already working for Blackbeard. So why did she have to pretend to be Jack? Just say you're working for Blackbeard. Like that's the most famous pirate ever. If you ask any random person, Hey, name one real pirate. They'll come up with Blackbeard. If you had to ask uh, them to name one name of one ship of a pirate, they would come up with the Queen Anne's Revenge. That's it. That's the extent of what anybody, uh, the average person on the street could come up with. So the whole like fake Jack thing, I just thought it it just didn't make sense. And that opening fight, it's, it's not terrible, but it doesn't show us anything that we haven't already seen. You know, they end up in the rafters of this kind of, building we saw that in the first movie um it it kind of i don't know it's a, it's a derivative fight it doesn't show us anything new and it was basically just like somebody looked at the runtime as they were writing the screenplay and went oh you know what we haven't had a sword fight in a while we're due for one here we go we're gonna write one into the script um there's there's some other good fun jack moments there's some other good fun gibbs moments and then it kind of stops yeah, I I think maybe the opening is where I can kind of for you know forgive this movie. One thing to start off with for me about this movie is, you know, this movie is two hours and twelve minutes long. Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End was two hours and forty eight minutes long. This movie feels like it is longer than at World's End because once you get past that initial like opening for me, this thing is just bogged down by pointless redirection after redirection after redirection, not to mention the laundry list of things you need to use the fountain of youth. You need, you know, a butterfinger wrapper filled with sand from the beach of floor. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> that, like who, who came up with the idea of what you needed for the fountain of youth. Like nothing makes sense in this movie, how the fountain of youth works. It's just, I don't know if they thought they were being clever, but I, I just don't understand why they overcomplicated this movie. And it's once again, an example where some character knows the answer and everything's explained in exposition and everybody just kind of accepts, oh, okay, that's what it is. And they move along, which we've seen throughout this series. Somehow, every time they get into a situation, somebody amongst their group knows the answer of this mystical item or this mystical person or this mystical place where the answer lies or their objective lies or the object they can use to achieve their objective lies. 
and mm-hmm. it, it's it starts to kind of i mean it's so poorly implemented in this movie the first three everything sort of feels good you know the first one the script is pretty tight you know it doesn't really feel like there's a lot of fluff i didn't care for the second one as much i liked the third one a lot better in this one it just seems like okay we're padding the script here yeah you're you're padding the script there's a lot of unnecessary things you know one like you said why does she need to impersonate jack and get a crew because it correct me if i'm wrong you know i i tried to pay attention as best i could maybe i don't know anything about being a pirate doesn't blackbeard look like he can pretty much sail that ship on his own with that sword. I mean, to, to have to get the crew and everything in between, there were just a lot of things that you stop and you look at this script and go, so there was like no proofreading on this. It just, was this the first draft? Did you, you know, did you use pen and you were like, well, I wrote it and this is what we have to do. Um, there's so many, there's so many weird choices. Like I said, and then, you know, Rob, you mentioned how, hey, it, we need a sword fight, you know, so let's throw one in there. Compared to the first three movies, this movie makes it abundantly clear that some of the the new characters on screen cannot do what was asked of them in terms of the action. And it is there is so many quick cuts in this movie compared to the other Pirates movies during sword fights. If the sword fights in the first three, you know, are what you like, close your eyes when you hear swords clinging in this movie because they are really bad to watch. Uh, off the top of your head, what's the best action scene in this movie? Uh probably the introduction of blackbeard where he's like catching people on the ship with ropes i think that's for me probably the best thing yeah i mean i like the opening and then to try to think of anything that happened from an action standpoint particularly and you hit it right on the head particularly the sword fights there's nothing special about this there's nothing the previous three you can think of action scenes you can think of specific sword fights particularly sword fights that were really good. Uh, I profess my love previously for the one-on-one-on-one fight that turns into the water wheel scene. It's one of my, you know, that whole thing, when you, when you look at the whole thing is among my favorite scenes in all of film. Um, The first movie has that great fight in the, in the blacksmith scene. Uh, And this one, it kind of rips that off a little bit, but does it worse? Like there's nothing that we've, we're, we're not presented with anything we've never seen before. There's nothing special about any of these. And, and that's just the beginning of where this movie falls apart. Yeah. Some of it's so weird because some of this movie, like you said, there's a very eerie and similar shot process from the first one where this movie doesn't feel to, like, again, to me, maybe there's somebody who's listening to this episode that loves this movie and thinks this movie's great. And if you do, honestly, I'd love to hear about it. I- I'd love to hear any listener that's listening to this episode, you know, that has a different opinion. Uh, I-, I would love to hear that. It- this in no way, shape or form feels like a continuation of the third one. It- it's almost, you know, the fifth one feels like 
the fourth movie. And it's almost like this movie should have been their adventures before they met like Will and Elizabeth. This should be what happened before Curse of the Black Pearl. This would have probably worked better as a prequel. It wouldn't have taken much. Um, you could have very easily written it that way. Um, because to have the absence of some of these other characters and really they're not even referenced. Like there's nothing about any of their previous adventures that really like even Barbosa and Jack's relationship, it doesn't feel like there's anything that happened in the first three films that particularly carried over into this. I, I, I just don't right. feel it. I also, you know, I, I wanted to ask you, we just mentioned his name, so I'm going to get right into that. This is one of those movies, and Harrison, if you're listening, because I know you talked about them, this is one of those movies where Barbosa, until really the end, he, he doesn't do anything for me in this movie. I think this is the worst, for me, the worst use of Barbosa in this series, where I'm not particularly fond of him at all. I could not agree more. I feel very strongly about what you just said and where we, we spent a lot of time in the previous episode talking about at world's end uh, praising Barbosa and how great of a character he is in the first and the third films. You know, he's got that little bit introduction at the end of the second film. He's sort of the, the, the most obvious version of what's wrong with this film as a whole. And that is all of the charm and all of the fun that we had with this character in his first appearance um, in, uh, you know, the curse of the black pearl. And then when we see him again and, and quite a bit of him and at world's end, you know, he's just fun. He's great. It's just, every time he's on screen, it's a blast. I, I absolutely adore the, the wedding scene on the ship. You know, I've talked about previously how, how great that scene is. And you replace all of that charm in this movie with just cruelty. And I, it's true of Barbosa's character, particularly. I think he, I think he's really the best example. But that's really what I would say about this film as a whole. You take all the charm that you got from the first three films, delete almost all of it, and you just kind of replace it with cruelty. And it's, it's not fun. There's, it, it takes away from that sense of adventure. It takes away from the things that we love about pirates. Um, as we continue to talk about it, you know, there's, there's certainly a lot more examples, but I really think what they've done with Barbosa's character in this film is probably the best example. Yeah, I totally agree that they take all of the charm out of this and make it, I don't even want to say cruel, but I just don't understand the directional standpoint of this movie as a whole you you took characters that you hit a home run with and you turn them into just something that I, I don't think fans wanted to see and then on top of that not only do you take characters that fans really liked and adored and completely change their dynamic and their character and make them feel like they're not connected but then you take two characters who are a blatant ripoff of something that worked in your last movie and try to make them work in this movie and they fail miserably 
this whole side love story, um, I don't even remember the kid's name. That's how uneventful it is. And the mermaid is so unneeded and unwanted. And it literally feels like they were trying to say to Orlando Bloom and Kira Knightley, like, yeah, we don't need you. We can continue this franchise. And boy, it, it, it seems to backfire pretty heavily. There's so many examples of characters in this movie that are supposed to have this relationship where there's really no on-screen chemistry between them. Um, we kind of talked already about, about um, Sparrow and Barbosa. Like it just, it doesn't feel like they had a relationship prior to this that they did. Nothing really carried through. You hit it right on the head. There's, there's nothing about the, this, you know, the love story aspect of this film that works. Like, I don't, I don't care about it in any way. Like it doesn't have any impact on me when any of these things happen. Like if she decides to eat him or if she decides to kiss him, like, okay, whatever, fine. I don't care either way. And, and it just, it lacks the depth and it lacks the intrigue of the relationship we got between Will and Elizabeth, which by the third movie was quite complex and compelling. Uh, there's nothing complex or compelling about um, Philip Swift, and I and I only know that because I've got Wikipedia in front of me. Um, him and and Serena the mermaid. Like I just I don't even care. And and I gotta ask you, Matt, do you find there's any chemistry between Johnny Depp and Penelope Cruz? Because the None. relationship between Angelica and Sparrow, I don't get it. It doesn't read. Yeah, no, there is nothing about them that makes me think, oh, yeah, at one point they had something together. It's so strange because you watched, even though I talked about their relationship in the previous, you know, what seems like it was only intended to be a trilogy between Jack and Elizabeth, and I think their relationship was well-defined by the end of it, there was chemistry. There's nothing here at all that makes you think, Oh, well, it's too bad that they weren't together or even his decision at the end does not feel in any way, shape or form. Like it doesn't feel good because I don't care. I don't believe their supposed relationship. Well, and she tries all those different ways to get him to turn around or or bring her with him. And I don't care if he does or doesn't. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I literally don't care. Yeah, it's again, just there's so many things that go wrong with this movie. And one thing that's just hysterical to me about this, this is the most expensive pirates movie that they made and rewatching it. I actually don't understand how this was the most expensive one. This production budget was $410 million. What did they spend it on? Because I'll tell you, a lot of the CG, especially for the ship, looks terrible. Yeah, I, I don't know what they spent it on. I Maybe it's locations, because like I mentioned earlier, there seem to be a lot of shots. And I mentioned this at World in the review for at world's end, but this movie has it glaringly, especially when they're on the beach and it somehow oddly transitions 
uh, just right in the middle of it from where they are in the time of the day and who's there and who's not there. There are scenes that don't feel like they are any way, shape, or form in the same area. Maybe they spent all their money on locations because this has a lot of weird transitions. And Rob, I, I know you do a lot of stuff with video editing and you have you've dabbled in these things. What did you see? Do you see those things when you watch this movie? Because I just I get confused as to where they're supposed to be sometimes. Especially what really occurs to me is the shifts between day and night. I, that just really jumped out to me that, that some of those things um, just didn't have a logical sense to how they worked. Um, the biggest problem you find in editing is not pre-planning well enough. Or you thought you had a shot that when you actually sit down to work with it, all of a sudden you didn't have that shot. And a lot of what you do in editing is kind of fixing some of the things that happened on the day of the shoot or trying to compensate for things that you just didn't plan for properly. And if they spent $410 million on this movie, I, like I said, what did it, did Johnny Depp just have a trailer that was literally a mansion that was nothing but like, you know, slurpees and water slides everywhere? Like what, what did they spend $410 million on? Yeah, it's, again, really, really confusing as to what they spent it on. I, I, I don't know what else to say about this movie. I, I feel bad sometimes talking about a movie the way that we are because I know, you know, there's time and value and, you know, all the cliche things, blood, sweat, tears that people put into this movie. But, man, I... Again, how do you get the first three movies almost so perfect when you like looking back on them? I am so fond of this trilogy. I did not realize that I liked those movies as much as I did and how well they were they were done, at least in my opinion. And then this thing goes so wrong. It really starts when they get to the bay, when the, when. I, I had said previously, I think there's a lot at the beginning that, yeah, there's a couple things here and there, but most of the beginning you could forgive if the second, you know, the, I guess the second two thirds of the movie, um, uh, the latter two thirds of the movie are good, which they're not. That's where it really starts to fall apart from the moment they meet the mermaid. The first mermaid is absolutely where this movie just goes off the rails for me. And if you want to get specific about why it is and how this happens, the moment that it becomes apparent that the mermaids have vampire teeth and web shooters for some reason, why do they have web shooters? Like, let's, let's talk about that. Why do they have web shooters? What, what are those things? Because they never come back. It's in this scene only, and then they disappear and never come back. Like, they forget they have this ability. I, I'm just mystified by that. But this is where the whole thing falls apart because you think about the first three films, they have the supernatural element, but it's like a campy sort of feel to it. It's kind of, it's kind of fun. It's sort of a little bit silly, but the clever and compelling mm -hmm. character designs are completely traded out for like a horror style, you know, villain or the, the you know, that replaces that, that just sort of 
goofy fun feel of, mm-hmm. of you know like kind of the zombified skeleton crew of curse of the black pearl and then you get davy jones kind of you know mutated kind of sea creatures in the second and third film like the character designs were amazing like you could you could just go scroll through pictures of them and be like captivated by by looking at what they did you trade all that out for like this horror element uh, of these mermaids and and it starts there but then where I think a lot of people, and I'm going to include myself here, will be very uncomfortable watching this movie is when all of a sudden you have this element and now you have to have these guys creating acts of unspeakable violence against what appear to be young women. That's going to yeah. be kind of problematic for some people. I didn't enjoy it. I just, I, I was like, uh, I don't like this. Like, I just, this is hard for me to watch. I understand they're trying to eat them, but I don't like what I'm seeing. I don't enjoy this. And then, so you, you take, you take this, this movie that's all about fun and adventure and, and just kind of silliness and, and Jack, you know, being Jack, and it takes this really dark turn. And then you have these group of very bad men who have a young woman as a prisoner and a captive, and then she can't breathe. And, and all of that, it, you just you just take all the fun that your movie was building. You take all of that, just that goodwill that you built up in the first three movies. And, and you just, you take it like an etch a sketch and you just shake it up and down. Cause you've erased all of it. It completely takes a turn that you cannot come back from your movie's gone down a completely different track. It's not coming back. It, it's, it's done something different now. 100%. It is in every way, shape, or form, a total detour from what made Pirates fun and memorable. And again, even when there was some... Again, the third one. Okay, the third one starts off with a hanging, just a continued row-by-row hanging. Even that didn't feel as like dark and gloomy and just you know, completely let's suck the fun out of these movies. Like this felt like it was trying to be something that it's not. It's just a weird choice. I don't understand why they made, like, why did you make this movie? I I still just keep coming back (laughs) to that question. That so bad real quick. I want to ask you if this, if there was not a ride, in Disneyland and Disney world called pirates of the Caribbean. And this movie came out. Does this movie exist on Disney plus or is this movie on a different streaming service? I think, I think this movie is on like Tubi as <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I can't imagine anybody fighting for the rights to this movie. I just can't. Because if you're a Disney executive and somebody pitches you this movie on your streaming service, hey, there's a bunch of young girls. We're going to stab a whole bunch of them. Can we put this on Disney Plus? Uh, no. Um, wait, wait, do you know who you're talking to? This is this is Disney, Mickey Mouse, that kind of stuff. Like, no, you're not going to put a movie on our service that's got a bunch of pirates and bad men stabbing young women. Uh, get out of here. Security, yeah. like get this person out of my office. Like, how does that happen? Yeah, it's it's crazy how. <sighs> it, boy, would I like to? 
uh, would I love to have been in this room reading the script and just you wonder too when they when they finish filming this movie and they go back and they're in the editing room and they're watching things back. You you wonder sometimes if they just stop and they're in that editing room and they look at each other and go, so what did we do here? <laughs> How did it get here? Yeah, because I feel like that would be a logical question. Like you're just watching this movie back, making your edits, trimming scenes and going, do you think we have the money to just start over? Like, <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, how much how much could they reshoot of this movie and, and really save? Um, but it, it all starts with just the general concept. I mean, the dark turn that this movie takes, it just feels out of place. And I won't necessarily go to the level of calling this a betrayal to the audience uh, who are fans of this series. But I kind of, I I'm kind of in that neighborhood. Like I'm not on the street, but I'm in the neighborhood. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like this is, uh, again, I feel like almost this movie was made and the way that it's, the way that it's shot and the way that they put a focus on this, I really feel like part of this movie almost, it feels like a slap in the face. Like we can still do something without the original cast, two people, because there were at the time a lot of things that were you know, talked about with why Kira Knightley and why Orlando Bloom didn't come back to it. There was, you know, at the time, some rumors about tension and they thought maybe they should get paid more or they didn't like the script and they didn't like what the direction was going to be. And again, this movie feels like it's almost a, well, we're making it to prove that it can work without the original cast. And, you know, as, as much as you don't like Orlando Bloom and you know some of the things that you know will like as Will Turner and I think even him as an actor you've said again I think it's very apparent that you you needed the original cast to make this movie something that people want to see and I think you see some of that in Dead Men Tell No Tales even though that is much much better than this movie I think there's something to be said about the fact that when they're not you know, the main focus, there's, there's something lacking. You know, the other thing that occurs to me too, um, Jack Sparrow as a character, he's, he's the goofball, right? He's the odd person. He needs what they call like the straight man to play off. Yep. Of. You know, if you really want an oddball character to work, you have to have a foil. You have to have somebody who's, who's kind of the normie, right? And Will Turner is that in a lot of cases. And there's wide stretches of this movie where Jack is either by himself or doesn't have the ability to play off of another character um, in a way that really works. And, and I think Will Turner's you know, straight man is the perfect foil for Jack. And even when he's with Barbosa, you know, the, Barbosa is different enough of a character that Jack's kind of weirdness and, and even with Gibbs, you know, the, the weirdness of Jack works against those characters because they're still, you know, even they have their own eccentricities, 
but it works as a foil. You don't really have a great foil for Jack in this movie. Like I, I had said earlier, and you agreed that Angelica and Jack, there's just nothing there. Like, you know, Blackbeard and Jack, there's, there's really, there's really nothing there. And even Barbosa and Jack in this movie, it just doesn't work. There's nothing that gives him the ability for his, his kind of Jackness to mm-hmm. play well it, out of outside of that first scene um, that I, that I mentioned that I actually really enjoy. Well, even, you know, Barbosa and Blackbeard, you know, let's not forget Barbosa's looking to get revenge on Blackbeard. I, I don't even care about that. That's literally the point of this movie is I don't care who wins. Like none of these characters seem to matter enough or have again, any believable relationship to me that, that I care. I I don't care that Barbosa gets revenge on Blackbeard. I don't care that, you know, Jack ends up betraying Blackbeard and none of it matters. Like none of it has consequence or merit to it. And think about what you just said, Matt. We, we just, I mean, very recently we've rewatched the third film and love Barbosa in that movie. And now in yeah. this movie, uh, if he if he gets his his revenge, I don't care either way. Like, think how poorly executed a film has to be to take a fan favorite character, and now all of a sudden his primary goal in the next film you put him in couldn't mean less to you. What an indictment on a movie that that statement really is. Yeah, hundred hundred percent. This really. Yeah, I think there was a there's obviously a reason it took so long to get another movie. Cuz again, this still made good money at the box office. It certainly wasn't the return that the first three got you, but this still made money and it took them years to be able to do something else because this really put a stagnant, you know, taste on the Pirates franchise where they needed to go back to the drawing board, so to speak, and talk about how they were going to bring back, you know, Orlando Bloom and Kira Knightley for Dead Men Tell No Tales because people just didn't want to see this. And I so and honestly, the only reason I even bothered to watch this movie the first time was that we had the Pirates of the Caribbean Lego game. And we had gotten through the first right. three parts and we're getting ready to go into the fourth one. I was like, well, I'd, I kind of want to know what the movie is. So let me at least watch that first. And uh, and I still enjoyed the game more th- than I did the movie. So we, we've kind of talked about so many things that don't work about this movie. It, thinking about even like the final battle. Is there anything memorable from that final battle? Not to me, there isn't. And then no. go to the twist. So you think about the twist, the double cross where Jack puts the tear in one cup and leaves the other cup uh, with just the water. And he, he tells Blackbeard that one is the one that'll save his daughter and he should drink the other one and sacrifice himself. That twist where Jack lied about it and Blackbeard was going to drink the wrong one. Was there any, any at all surprise to that scene for you? Any at all? No, uh, there's no surprise. There's, nothing about again there's nothing about it that whole that's supposed to be like the climax of your movie and again i'm not sitting there going oh man what's gonna happen like are they gonna make it out or who's gonna like 
I, again, the worst thing that can happen is you don't care. And it's weird because with this movie, as, as we're talking about it now and I watched it, it's, it's funny to say that I don't even hate this movie. I just don't care. And that's worse. I just like it, it. Like I just don't care. At least if I really like hated a movie, yeah, I, I just I don't care. I don't care. So I I agree a lot with with what you're just saying. I kind of look at it the way that I that I think about this when when you look where this movie truly fails. Every element that is supposed to elicit a response from the audience simply doesn't the right. twist elicits no response because you expected it. The two love stories that are kind of involved between Jack and Angelica, there's no response to that. You know, the, the mermaid and uh, the Reverend, like you don't care like the double cross, um, you know, where, where Blackbeard is going to just watch his daughter die to save him himself. Like you don't care every single time a story beat is presented. That's supposed to make you feel something. Um, it doesn't. And when you think about what a movie is supposed to do, it is supposed to elicit a response at different points of it. And at the end of it, you're supposed to walk, you know, from the, from your seat out to the lobby. Um, like, like we talk about, you know, as part of the segment, you're supposed to have a feeling in your heart about what you just saw. And this movie gives you nothing. Like you literally just go, I'm, I'm empty. Like, I, I don't, I don't feel anything The it intends to make you feel happy or sad or, Oh wow. I can't believe that crazy twist. And you can believe that crazy twist because it really wasn't that wild of a double cross. Like you, you knew it. It was so predictable. It's not even a twist. And you, you walk away from this movie. It's over. You feel nothing. That is a, a total and complete failure on the part of, of what they were trying to accomplish. Total and complete failure. Yeah, I mean, I, with this movie, there is absolutely no, there is no way I would ever watch this movie again. I cannot imagine a scenario where I would watch this movie. And that's, that's pretty sad. I would probably, Rob, you and I, big comic book fans, talked about a lot of movies on here. I would probably watch Electra before Ooh. I would watch this movie. I would subject wow. myself like I would subject myself to the very first Punisher or the very first Captain America movie. Not the Chris Evans ones, folks. The <laughs> very first one. Like I would watch those before I would throw on on Stranger Tides. It's just there's no about, reason for it to exist. How about theatrical release Justice League, the Joss Whedon version? Would you watch that or this? Hundred percent. I would. I would go buy the Blu-ray of that movie so that I could watch it at my leisure before I watch Cause this. Because at least with the theatrical release, you can remember how much better the Snyder Cut is. Yes. Like. Yeah. I. Yeah. I'm. You know, there's no reason to watch this movie unless 
again, you've never seen it and you want the full Pirates of the Caribbean experience. That is, that's pretty much all I can say about it. <laughs> um, you know, like I'm a completionist, so I very rarely will play a video game that's the second or third in a in in a series without starting to be at the first one. You know, I won't like drop in on season three of a show. I will start at the beginning and work forward. Um, I do the same thing with movies. Like it, I I can't just watch the middle film of a, of a saga or a series. I I have to watch all of them. Um, and that, and unless you're somebody like me that don't want to see the fifth film until you've seen the fourth one, that's, uh, I'm with you. That's the only reason I can see to recommend somebody watches if they feel like maybe they'll have missed something. If they're just, if they're a completionist and need to have enjoyed the whole thing, I, honestly, like as bad as this one is, it's going to make me appreciate my rewatch of the fifth one that much more that it is much more of a return to form of of the of the things that we love about pirates yeah ab- absolutely so rob you know we've spent a lot of time here talking about what doesn't work you've peppered in a few things of what works do you have anything else that you want to discuss in this from seat to screen section before moving on from from the lobby um, I do want to just talk about Ian McShane real quick as Blackbeard. Um, yeah. While he isn't he isn't necessarily my favorite um, uh, presentation of the character of Blackbeard that I've seen on either a TV show or or um, or on film, which I would have to say my favorite version of the character is the one that we got on the on the TV show uh, Black Sails. Which, if you're into pirates, if you're into that sort of fiction, uh, I can't recommend that show highly enough. It's it's basically Game of Thrones only set in the Caribbean during the you know the golden age of piracy. Uh, the the actor that plays him and I don't have it in front of me. I feel terrible because he's phenomenal. Um, that is uh, that is a menacing terrifying version of Blackbeard that is still a compelling character. Um, but I, I really like what Ian McShane does as Blackbeard, even if I don't love the way that the character himself is written. Uh, it's not the fault of the actor. I, I actually think he does a really good job and he's really credible in that role. Yeah, I'll give him, uh, I'll give him credit in that. He is very credible. Um, he does have a pretty good presence. It's, Unfortunate that it is in a movie that has no presence overall that, you know, uh, this character who is very well known gets this sort of treatment. So, yeah, I do feel pretty bad for him that this is the role that, uh, you know, he he got for this franchise in terms of the movie that it was in. Agreed. So. So. Going to from the lobby, this is where we talk about favorite scene, least favorite scene, and not to just be so like Debbie Downer, so to speak, about it. So I'll start with my first, you know, my my favorite scene. It really is where Blackbeard shows off his control and he ties everybody up with the ropes on the ship. I do think that scene is really well done. It's pretty, you know, it's fun to see him having control over the ship. But yeah, maybe the first part, it's, you know, pretty funny. But I don't have a lot 
to talk about of a favorite scene of this movie. I do love how the movie ends. It's always fun to just see like that little moment with Jack kind of being, and this time he's with Gibbs, but just being once again, it's well, it comes back to Jack just being, you know, either by himself or with one party member. Uh, I, I do like that. I like the ending dialogue, but man, there's not a whole lot of things for me to pull from to say like, oh man, I really enjoyed that scene. So you played kind of the last bit of the movie as, as the intro to this episode and it's, it's Gibbs and Jack walking on the beach and they kind of get a little deep. They kind of get a little philosophical talking about, you know, just the, a, a person shouldn't really know the end of their life because it, that's what makes the journey fun. You know, I, I'm paraphrasing and I'm getting it terribly, but um, I, I sort of enjoyed the end of that. It's a very short scene. Uh, so it's really hard to have that redeem the film. Um, I, I do still like the opening. I, I just think Jack somehow finding a way to impersonate a judge in front of all of these stuffy, uh, you know, wig wearing guys and somehow convincing them enough that he's, he's the judge that whole opening bit. Um, before this movie completely goes off the rails. I do enjoy, I would call that my favorite scene. I do find it a lot of fun. I do think it, it gives us um, some of what we love about pirates as a whole in that opening. Um, but there's, there's not much else to pick from. Yeah, there's, there's not a lot. I, I would say my least favorite scene is definitely once they start trekking through the forest and, you know, the carrying the mermaid and then she's in the box and she can't breathe. And, you know, they, you know, dump her out of the box and she grows her legs and just all of a sudden we're in regard, supposed to care that this guy has feelings for her. It's just, it's so nauseating to me, that whole trek that I, you almost could say the second act is like my least favorite scene, but I just really don't like that trek through the woods because again, they, they make such an emphasis that you're supposed to care that this guy cares about her. And again, from a movie standpoint, I just, I just don't, nothing about it makes it seem like I'm supposed to care nothing about their performance. He's so dull. He's so wooden. It's supposed to be this moment. That's, you know, romantic or whatever you want to say about it and it's not nothing to disagree with there um least favorite scene for me is kind of where the mermaids first show up and kind of attack the boat um that's where to me the tonal shift really begins um and and i very much like you i would say kind of that whole second act of the movie that begins with the attack in the bay and and goes through the woods um there's there's nothing about it that that is enjoyable. Like at what part of that of the starting at the attack scene, all the way through the end. Like what part of that would you not fast forward through? It's there's right. no part of that you go. Oh yeah, there's entertainment value here. I like this particular line. I like this character's reaction. I like this scene. This makes me happy. This sets up something I need to get paid off on later from an emotional standpoint. Nope. Right. Can you? Can you think of in this movie anything 
okay, maybe the opening scene, but think of anything in this movie that you would YouTube, so to speak, just to check it out. Um, no, <clears throat> not no. a thing. Not no. not the, one single thing. The first movie. I you know YouTube a clip of the first time Jack gets introduced. YouTube the clip of him and Will fighting. YouTube the clip of the ending where he you know Will drops the the gold inside the chest. There's so many things that you could just look up. Dead men you know Dead Men's Chest. Think about how many things you could YouTube from that movie just to say. Geez, I don't feel like turning on Disney Plus and fast forwarding. I'm just gonna type in the search bar the name of this clip at World's End. This movie, realistically, what would you if you're just like, oh man, I really remember that scene fondly. Let me just let me just pull it up on YouTube while I'm sitting here playing on my phone. There's nothing. So the parts, <laughs> so the parts of the first three movies that you would want to pull up on YouTube, you can definitely go through and find them. The parts of this movie that you would want to go back and rewatch could be contained in a single GIF. Serious? Yeah, exactly. So, not a lot. So, Rob, any other scenes that you want to mention? Uh, no, I really don't have any scenes I would. <laughs> I have any yeah. interest in talking about further with this movie? It's so bad. Yeah, it is. It is bad. So. You know, we because Harrison was not able to join us for this one, he will be back for Dead Men Tell No Tales. We did not do, you know, a segment that we have been doing here uh, that was coined on the basement binge of Rummage for the Rotten because, you know, between Rob and myself, I, I don't really think there's anybody who's even remotely not rotten on this movie. So... <laughs> We still are going to, you know, rate this movie on our real system. So, Rob, I'm going to go first. This movie for me is absolutely the lowest that I've ever rated anything that we've talked about on this, you know, on this podcast. This is literally only one reel for me. And I almost thought about giving it a half reel, but I did... I gave it one full reel just because, again, Johnny Depp puts what he can into this character. It's his most famous role. But I had a hard time actually even giving this one reel. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, it it would be really compelling uh, for the listener if, if I had if I had anything to disagree about. If there was anything I could be like, no, 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 you're totally off base. There's it's at least two reels um, and, and try to explain why. Uh, no, this is um, I seriously considered giving this half a reel as well, because, I, you know, it's like it, I, I give this the participation trophy of reels. It's it's a one. It's it is a single reel um, because you do get that opening that I that I that I do enjoy. Um, you get some other brief moments where, where Johnny Depp as Jack is just one of the most fun characters in the history of cinema. Uh, one of the most beloved characters in the history of cinema that, that you can reliably have a good time with. Um, but even the characters that come back that we've seen before are used so poorly that, 
um, you know, a single reel and that's probably being more generous than I should be. Yeah. It, it feels like I'm almost being too generous, but I am gonna, uh, I'm gonna stick with the one reel. That's what I'm going to rate this movie. But again, there is, there's nothing that would ever, ever bring me back to this movie um, to watch it again. No, I mean, even if they did something with, let's say they spun one of these characters off. Let's say they spun the mermaid off and, and gave her her own uh, movie where she's the central figure. And you, and you thought to yourself, ah, oh, maybe I'd like to go kind of see what her journey started at. Um, yeah, like what I wouldn't watch this movie again. I would just pull up the summary on like IMDB or Wikipedia right. or something like I, I definitely wouldn't rewatch this movie. Nope. Yeah, not at all. I, I would care less to see who <laughs> whose journey went where uh, based <laughs> on this film. So, you know, that's going to conclude on Stranger Tides. Uh, we are almost, almost through this. Uh, I, I've had a lot of fun even, you know, having to go back and rewatch this. I, I'm going to be interested, even though I've just, you know, we both watched it very, very recently it was the first time for you, Rob, that you watched Dead mm -hmm. Men Tell No Tales. So I'll be extremely interested to hear your thoughts, you know, getting to watch it again, especially in number one, such close viewing to the first time you watched it, but in the close viewing to all the other movies now since we've been able to go through those. So it'll be nice to go to a movie that I actually know I get enjoyment out of. And I'll be really interested again, to hear your thoughts on this next one, given the, the proximity of how long, you know, how closely it's been since you've watched it. I, I'm actually really looking forward to it uh, for all of those reasons. But if I'm being honest, the primary reason I'm looking forward to rewatching that is as a palate cleanser to this one. Yeah, it, again, it'll be really nice to get this kind of out of my mind and end on <laughs> at least a higher note for the Pirates series, because um, obviously that's going to be coming next week to finish up our Pirates marathon, so to speak. But before we go, uh, Rob, I'm going to talk about it a little and you can you can jump in here, but we're going to be in the, you know, we're in the month of October. It's October 1st, you know, as we're talking, finishing up about on Stranger Tides. And what better way to spend October than we're going to review a couple, couple horror movies, so to speak, a few zombie movies. Uh, I know I am really looking forward to doing some reviews on the Halloween series. So why don't you talk about a couple of the ones that we have discussed and, you know, we're going to be bringing to Matt goes to the movies as a tandem. Yeah. So, um, there are, you know, of course in Halloween, everybody's kind of in the mood, uh, basically from the first time that a single leaf falls to the ground, there are people who are like Halloween and they, and they're absolutely, abs you know, way in love with it. And it's a great time to revisit some classic horror movies. Um, we are going to actually talk about what I consider my favorite zombie movie of all time. Uh, 28 days later. Um, I really love that movie. I think that it is a, it, uh, to me, that movie represents um, what of what the walking dead would then prove later that a zombie movie, a horror movie, uh, you know, a, a monster movie could be more than just uh, gore and shock effect and, and things like that. It could have, it could have heart. It could have feeling. It could have emotion. It could have 
good writing. It could have great performances. And to me, 28 Days Later was kind of the first one that really on my radar proved to me that that, that genre could be more than just a genre picture. It, it could it could be bigger than that. Um, so I'm so excited to, to rewatch that movie. Yeah, I definitely am really excited to revisit that series. I do like that a lot. We are going to be doing 28 Days Later. I I am really looking forward to Halloween Kills, which I'll be doing reviews on the original Halloween from 1978, the Halloween from 2018, and then Halloween Kills after October 15th. Uh, we also are planning on bringing the Dawn of the Dead remake um, to the show and maybe a couple others that we have shown some interest in. So October is going to be a, a pretty big month for Matt Goes to the Movies with, with horror. So if you are into that genre, I uh, can't wait to hear from you. And again, Rob, one more time before we sign off. Talk about the extended universe and you've, you've got something coming in the pipeline, which I'm super excited for. Yeah, um, definitely. It's, uh, you know, on, on the big show here, we're talking a lot more about more recent films, uh, certainly, um, you know, prestige TV on Disney plus um, the MCU, DCEU, uh, whatever's left of, of that at the moment, <laughs> um, you know, whatever that's going to turn into, I guess, you know, that's a lot of the stuff <clears throat> that, uh, that gets covered here. Um, but uh, yeah, having the opportunity to kind of to talk about some of these films that um don't necessarily just fit easily into a five reel um, uh, rating system because they're just movies that you have such an emotional attachment to that you couldn't, you have to come up with different rating systems because um, film are one of the, is one of those things that everybody has. I don't want to say everybody, I guess there's people who just don't consider themselves being into movies, but I, I think almost everybody has films that they absolutely adore. They love that evoke a feeling of nostalgia that evoke a feeling of, of previous times in your life that you really enjoyed or, or things that have been important to you over a long period of time. And those are the kinds of things that uh, my brother Eric and I like to talk about uh, on our uh, Rob's Review show in the extended podcast universe. Yeah, I'm l- really looking forward to it. I have thoroughly enjoyed the movies that you have talked about so far. The listeners of this show have obviously really enjoyed them as well. Uh, you know, Fight Club, number one downloaded episode in September. It is also the number two downloaded episode all time for Matt Goes to the Movies. So super cool to see those episodes, you know, being listened to because I know, again, those movies mean a lot to you, a lot to Eric. It's so fun to hear you talk about them. So I'm definitely looking forward to the new one. Yeah, uh, look for it next two weeks, I think, is is pretty safe uh, to to bank on for that. Um, and definitely, um, you know, while you're waiting for those to come out, while you're waiting for the next episode of uh, the final episode of the Pirate Saga to come out, uh, certainly want to plug our friend Harrison's show, The Basement Binge. I had an opportunity to listen to his review on Real Steel, which is a movie that, um, yeah, look, is it is it a critical marvel? Is it a masterpiece of film? Well, no, nobody's ever going to call it that. 
But is it a blast to watch? Is it a fun movie? Is it a movie you feel good about watching? Absolutely, 100%. And uh, I really enjoyed listening to that episode that Harrison put out. And I would encourage listeners, uh, if you haven't had a chance to check out The Basement Binge, it's a great episode to start with. Yeah, that is that was a lot of fun. I definitely it made me want to, you know, put that movie back on the TV screen because it's a lot of fun. Again, is it a critical masterpiece? Absolutely not. But boy, is it enjoyable. So, you know, check out the basement binge. Harrison's show will be in the show notes along with how to contact Matt goes to the movies, download previous episodes. So once again, to all the listeners, thank you so much for listening to not only this episode, but you know, everything in between from MCU to the matrix, you know, it's been a blast doing this. So until next week, thank you for listening and we will see you soon at Matt goes to the movies.